Welcome to the Healing Circle podcast, where we talk about everything mental health, faith, and relationships. Though this show is hosted by a licensed therapist, that's me, Kobe, I am not your therapist. These amazing conversations are meant to provide psychoeducation and start some good conversation, but they're not meant to be a substitute for real therapy services. We're excited to learn, grow, and talk with you guys. So let's jump into today's episode. Hey everyone, it's Kobe and your favorite one, Kyle. And welcome back to the Healing Circle. You already know I'm the favorite, so please do not start. People love my boyish charm and my wit. <laughs> you are funny. I feel like you add some good humor to the show, some good silliness. I loves it. I loves it. So you guys, we are so excited to dive into our next episode and I'm really excited about it cuz I think it's something that a lot of us experience. I know I've experienced it. I know it's something that I see in my clinical work often, but honestly, I don't see it talked about a lot. And so I wanted to take this space, our space to share and talk about it. And our subject today, the it is, drum roll please, don't actually drum roll. Uh, I was looking for something to hit. I can't, I can't move my mouth that. Yeah, that. Okay, now you gotta say it. Enmeshment. Enmeshment. Today we are gonna talk about enmeshment. So enmeshment, um, in the most basic of terms, just means poor or permeable boundaries. But what we are going to be talking about today are two things, enmeshed families and parent-child enmeshment, right? So let's start it's with- It's going to be a doozy, It's going to be a doozy. It really is. Uh, let's start with jumping right into enmeshed families. So I'm going to share a little bit about enmeshed families. Enmeshed families are families that hold exclusive loyalty to each other exclusive loyalty to each other. In this system, outsiders, including romantic partners or spouses, people who are included into the family through core members of the family, are considered a threat to the system, especially if they don't acquiesce to the system's values. There's a sense of guilt or shame communicated if a member of the family tries to create a separate life and that type of separation is seen as an attack on the familiar familial structure familiar structure i think we all know someone who has an enmeshed family yeah right especially at this age i think that a lot of us in our 20s and 30s we're looking at our lives and we're realizing a lot of our lives are not reflective of our own personal values or feelings or thoughts and we're realizing just how deeply we've been influenced by our families and the people around us. Yeah. And, you know, th there is such a thing as being too close. Yes. Which I know sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, and for so many people, their families aren't very close. Um, and they wish that they had a family that was close, which is part of why enmeshment can kind of hide in the background until mm. <laughs> in relationships, until stuff hits the fan. But it's. So closeness is good. Yeah, it's beautiful. Enmeshment comes in and, and it becomes a toxic thing when you've got closeness 
at the expense of independence. Yeah. Closeness at the cost of independence. Closeness at the cost of um, having your own agency. Yeah. And and when the connection is defined not by being close and, and being loving and being familial, but when it's defined by loyalty and obligation, mm. then you get into a place where enmeshment is is how we have to talk about it. And it's not just, oh, I have a really close family. There's a difference there. Yeah. And even to think about when you're saying like when it's based on loyalty, I think at its core, loyalty to a family is not bad. But what we're talking about is when you begin to differentiate, when you begin to operate in a gifting or a calling that doesn't align with your family of origin, that the family then sees it as disloyalty. Mm-hmm. And your relationships are at risk when you have an opportunity or take the opportunity to be yourself. That's how we know we're entering a space of enmeshment, right? When we are in enmeshed relationships, it is about having love contracts with people that are written in the language of guilt and loyalty, not freedom and love. Mm, Yeah. Guilt and loyalty. I have to do this or else my parents will. I have to do this because this is just what our family does. Yeah. Don't you know you're a blank? This is how we always do this. This is how we always handle things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you'll see that in um you'll see that in enmeshed families. And that's kind of where the family system altogether is like equally enmeshed with each other, equally co- deeply connected, equally mm-hmm. lacking in boundaries with each other. Um but on the other end, there's parent-child enmeshment, which I think a lot of us are also familiar with as well. Mm-hmm. So parent-child um, parent-child enmeshment is also, I've talked about this a ton of times. I've talked about this on Instagram. I've talked about this on my blog. And nobody yeah. wants to hear it because it makes them uncomfortable. But you well, know what? I just found go. a new word for okay. it. <laughs> parent-child enmeshment in many ways, especially... Um, with moms and their sons can also be known as covert emotional incest. Dun dun dun. Hate that. that it's just that last They're word. Like, the covert emotional piece. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, I get with that. Yeah. Then you throw in the incest. And yeah. It, it's like, eh, and then it it's feels like weird. And I think also, oftentimes people have such a negative connotation with the word incest that they hear. Like, you're telling me that I'm in in a relationship that has some type of incestual nature to it. Oh, you're nuts and you're just completely wrong, right? And they just kind of like completely dismiss it. But parent-child enmeshment, also known as covert emotional incest, is a type of enmeshment typically seen between a mother and a son where the child acts as a surrogate partner for the parent who is lonely or unsatisfied. Mm. So how this type of enmeshment starts and really how all enmeshment starts, how all enmeshment starts whether it's parent, child, individually, or whether it's um, within a family, it always starts with lonely parent or lonely parents. Mm. Yeah, you can be married. Now, listen, the married folk, if you're sitting next to your wife, don't say nothing. Keep looking forward. If she looks at you right now, pull up Google Maps. You can be married, lay in the same bed, live in the same house, and be desperately alone. Yeah. Be so lonely. Yeah. Um, it's in so many ways, it's actually common yeah. that married people are some of the loneliest people in the world. Yeah. And <laughs> so you know if what? you're single and you feel like it's all sunshine and daisies, there's there's suffering enough to go around. That's all I'll say there. Mm, you know what, Kyle? 
I thought we talked about this a little bit before we started recording the episode, but as you said that, I kind of felt convicted. Um, I think about why married people are so lonely and it's because we're told to never share what we're going through. It's almost like moms. Mm. People are like, if you have a bad like birth story, be quiet. Stop sharing your bad birth stories. You're going to scare people. And it's like, well, if it's the truth, if it's the truth, people shouldn't be scared. And if the truth is scary, then we should probably prepare them for it. Yeah, we should probably be talking about the scary truths. Right, right. And just thinking about how like so many of us feel deeply about so many things. We're deeply affected, deeply hurt, deeply wounded, but we're told to protect our spouses, which I think is beautiful Mm -hmm. and holy because I think God does that for us. Rather, I know God does that for us. And it's beautiful, but... Also, sometimes we just need to know that someone else is going through what we're going through yeah. and the suffering that we're going through is not its not novel. It's not unique to us mm-hmm. because there truly is a sense of community and knowing that someone else has navigated this yeah. and I can too. Yeah. And when you know that something's part of the framework of like of the relational system, then it it, it keeps you from being like, self-centered as you feel like okay well what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. why is my marriage hard yep ask any anyone that says their marriage isn't hard or wasn't hard i don't believe psychopath yeah someone's wrong there and it's also not a reflection of the marriage between it's not a healthy one yeah it's not a like if marriage is to be a reflection between the relationship with god and his church jesus and the church that's a really contentious one yeah it, it, there's a lot of intimacy, there's a lot of joy, but there's also a lot of rebuke. There's also a lot of hardship. There's also a lot of weeping. Yeah. There's also a lot of sacrifice. It's hard. And so especially when Christians are like, oh, well, we don't argue and you just got to do it. And I'm like, listen, that's not, thank you for your advice, but it's just not biblical. And I'm just not going to listen to it, to be quite honest, because there is there is something beautiful that comes out of wrestling, obviously not physically. <laughs> wrestling <laughs> with all that comes with the sacrifice and the giftings of intimacy. Woo, that we kind of went on a, a little bit of a tangent, but we're parent-child um, enmeshment, all enmeshment, parent-child enmeshment, mesh families, all of it, all of it is rooted in lonely parents first. Yeah. Parents set the foundation for what the family culture is going to be. Yeah. And you get people who, and now let's be clear. Okay. So let's just disclaim this a little bit as we talk about this. Um, If you know someone, one, this is going to happen. You're going to see a measurement most common in men. Yeah. There's a ton of reasons for that. We'll get into it. Yeah. But as you're thinking about this, you're you're probably going to be thinking of a male if you've got an example. Yeah, you're typically going to be thinking about a male and his mother. Yeah, um, on average, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to be thinking about people who ultimately are almost never aware that there's anything wrong with what they're doing. Yeah, these are not people who are like sitting in the back with their evil villain laugh trying to ruin <laughs> someone's life. That yes. mother that calls ten times a day and that son that picks up the phone ten times a day. Like, yes, there's something wrong there. Yeah. But the people are not wrong. There's something about the system that's wrong. I think yeah. it's in- important to like separate that people, like good people, can be a part of a broken system and propagate 
brokenness in that system. And yeah. that doesn't mean that they are evil. Like yes. those people yeah. are quote unquote bad because you you participate in some bad things, but like no one sets out to be enmeshed. Mm. No one like signs a contract in the beginning, like, yeah, oh, would you like to have a toxic relationship that's really unhealthy and it's gonna lead to a lot of brokenness? Like, oh yeah, sure. Like, how do I let me follow the steps to do that? That's not how it happens. I would agree to a extent, but I would also disagree. I think that I think it's important that we communicate that enmeshment is not a character flaw. Mm-hmm. And that is a result of brokenness that's been unaddressed. I think yeah. that's important. But I also do think, and we'll talk about this a little bit more as we talk about um, reparenting. I also do think there are parents who see a path of independence for themselves and for their children, who see a path that's going to demand that they face their loneliness, who see a path that means that they're going to have to face all of the things that they've been running from and they choose not to. And they say, no, I'm going to latch onto my child because this is safer and this is a quicker fix to the feelings of loss and confusion and, and loneliness that I feel. And so I'm not going to do the thing that's best for everyone in the system. I am going to perpetuate this system because it's most convenient for me. Do I think that's the majority of the people? No. Mm-hmm. I think the different and so one thing we will say a meshed um people who experience enmeshment are also people who often experience codependence. Mm-hmm. So you can be codependent and not enmeshed and you can be enmeshed I'm trying to think of how to say this well. Yeah, they, they're they're very interconnected. Yeah, if One. you're a mesh or codependent, but you can be codependent and not a mesh. That yeah. that is it. Right. So I can I can struggle with a sense of who I am. I can um struggle with a sense of how to interact. I can struggle with a sense of constant validation from someone. But I think the difference is and it's very minimal. And some people would say there's not a difference. And if they were to say that to me, I wouldn't argue with them. I'd be like, yeah, I see that point of view. I think the difference is people who are enmeshed feel a sense of responsibility rooted in guilt. Mm -hmm. And I think people who are codependent feel a sense of need for connection rooted in fear. Like, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like, I see what you're not, saying. And I'm talking more about the uh, the child in both of these. Yeah, yeah. Um, both of these. Yeah, one these is saying systems. I've done a bad thing. And and the other one is, is saying, like, I, I need you to be here with me or or I don't want this person to leave. Um, yeah, so that, that makes a lot of sense. That that's, that's a helpful framework. And even, like, before we get too deep into the weeds, um, do we want to like give maybe like a common example of what this looks like? So people have this, yeah. like something playing in the back of their mind as we, we keep going into this. Yeah. So someone who is a mesh, these are examples and then I'll kind of give some clearer ways to identify it. So someone who's a mesh, it's someone who may feel like they need to call their mother every single day and not because they really want to talk to their mom, but because they're afraid of the consequence of not doing it. 
They may feel like they need to go see their parents every single weekend when they're in college, not because they love hanging out with their parents, but because they feel like I don't want to have to deal with the response of not going home and how they'll respond to me or retaliate. Um, It's someone who will, at the expense of their own well-being, will choose to take care of their parents' emotional needs. Someone who is willing to shift, change, um, and make certain decisions that are rooted in pleasing the parent um, above their responsibilities to themselves, to their spouse, to their children. This also may be somebody who feels a lot of anger and resentment, Mm -hmm. but does not know what to do with it. This is someone who is also going to spend a lot of time negotiating um, as if their parent stands on equal footing with whoever's on the other side that they have a sense of emotional responsibility to. So they'll find themselves kind of going tip for tat. Like I did this for my mom, so I have to Mm. do it for you or. Yeah. Dividing equally. Yeah. What's like, where there should be a clear priority. Okay. No, this is my wife. She's number one. Yeah. And instead of saying she's number one, mom, you're number two or three or four or five, wherever you land on the list, but you're certainly not number one. Yeah. There's a sense of like, okay, no, she's one A, mom, you're one B, mm-hmm. dad, you're one C, and mm-hmm. everyone gets like a, sh- a third, a third, a third. Like everyone gets an equal yeah. um, share. And and that's honestly when someone who is a mesh is trying, that's them when they're trying to be healthy. Yeah. When they're deep in it, it's my mom and dad come first. My mom and dad have been here forever mm-hmm. and you will never be first because my mom and dad are you know, the center of my universe, right? And mesh families, you might hear things from siblings or from cousins. Well, I've known him longer or she can't just come in and become priority or I deserve to have this first or I deserve to spend time with you first. A sense of ownership over the person who is, and I'm kind of speaking about this from a lens of like someone who's trying to get out of a management, Mm -hmm. um, a sense of ownership over that person, that that person allows other people to have, again, at the expense of their own health and at the expense of their responsibilities. So I'm going to go over um, six ways that you can identify whether you experience enmeshment, whether it's familiar, familial enmeshment. Why can't I say that word? Familial. Familial enmeshment or parent-child enmeshment. Um, you feel excessive responsibility to the emotional needs of your parents. And let's be clear, like this isn't said often enough. Yeah. But if you are someone's child the 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 responsibility to one another is not equal. Yeah, it's not. It is never. always on the parent to sacrifice for the, the child. child. Always. Until always. until they're not now there may come a point. I'm not saying that, you know, your parent might get so old that they need your help and that you need to take care of them. But, you know, healthy, able bodied parents, like it's on them to mm. take the L, so to speak, yeah. in the relationship. It is baked into the role. Yeah. And as you become an adult, it is your parents' job as you become autonomous to adjust to your life and not for you as an adult to adjust to their life. Yeah. Right. Feeling sense of loyalty rooted in guilt, resentment, and anger toward the parent or system, yet feeling unable to do anything about it. Feeling like, I hate it when my mom wants me to do this for her, but I just have to do it. Why? Because she's my mom and I have to take care of her. Yeah. I have to be there for her. It's playing this, and that's why it's called pseudo emotional um, 
covert, sorry, covert emotional incest because you're playing the role of a partner. You're playing the role of a romantic partner without the physicality, to be honest, mm-hmm. right? Without that physicality. Um, constantly compromising or placating family members or parents rather than setting clear boundaries, right? Instead of saying, no, mom, I won't do this for you. Okay, mom, as soon as we get back from our date, I'll make sure to get back in the car and drive the keys over to you. Okay, mom, I know that you want me to do this, but we're doing, we're going to this person's soccer game. And so instead of just saying, no, I can't do it, me and my family are spending time together saying, I'll figure out a way to do it for you. Mm -hmm. I'll figure out a way to equally show up for both of you as if you both have a right (laughs) to me, right? Yeah, I know it's our anniversary, mm-hmm. but I know you need me to pick something up from the store too. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so, I, okay, let me make sure I, I go and do this before our date. You know, whatever. It's it's this sense of a warped responsibility that Ooh. takes away independence yeah. and agency. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, that also reflects in an inability my tongue is not working today it also reflected an inability to build a life that reflects your personal values for fear of hurting or being attacked by members of the system or the parent right Mm. we just don't that's not how we do things we don't do it that way or my mom would be really upset or i have to ask my mom being 20 or something or 30 something years old and feeling like I need to ask my mom whether me and my spouse can do something. Yeah. I need to ask or I need to run by personal intimate information about my marriage or about my relationship or about my kids by my parents before I make a decision about it. Right. Yeah. It takes away your ability to be an adult. It takes away your ability to be an adult and an honest and congruent adult at that. You know what I, I just thought about? I don't want to derail it, but I feel no, like it's okay. such a perfect analogy um, as anyways. a framework for like what this looks like. Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy mm. Rich Asians is a I story. I just watched that the other day with my sister. One, it's a great movie. Go see it. When did you last watch that? I saw it on a plane. What, what plane? Where'd you go? I, mean, I don't know where I was going. You know, I'm a, I'm a mover and shaker, man. I'm a big deal. I literally, we just watched it in Aruba. I mean, I do it in. Um, <laughs> the spirit brought it up. Um, Crazy Rich Asians is a story of a of a series of a meshment, uh, a meshed relationships amongst family members. Yeah, you've got the son who's meshed with his mother, her uh, the mother's husband meshed with his mother, Good and so you've got to go up You're the right. chain of moms in order to get anything done, even though everyone has their own independent life. It's a great example of what this looks like in a in a stylized setting. Yeah, some of it can be cultural. Some yes. of that is cultural and healthy Ooh. because culture. Yeah. Is God honoring and good, and some of it it's just, is just not straight up unhealthy. <laughs> yes, and so thank you for bringing that up because a lot of people's question is, well, what? How much of it is culture, and how can you? Well, you can't say that they're a mess. You're there from a different culture, and I'm a first generation African, right? Mm-hmm. So I am literally African hyphen American. Ain't just regular black, y'all. Like me, <laughs> I don't think there's anything such as regular black. I think there's nothing regular about black people. But um, I have my fist in the air right now. Mm, happy Juneteenth, guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're official now, y'all. Yeah. Juneteenth. Represent. Um but yeah, so I, I think that um sometimes we don't know 
where culture comes in and where it's like the the dysfunction comes in, mm-hmm. right? Um, also, this is a part of the family systems model if you're interested in getting to know more therapy things. But this is how you tell the difference between just a close family culturally and an enmeshed family. The person in the family has to feel connected through freedom and not through obligatory guilt or fear. That is how you know if you're enmeshed. Mm -hmm. If I ask you, what makes you want to go to all these events with your parents? And your response is, I genuinely just have a really good time. I love being around my parents. They're like my friends. I love hanging out with them. And I ask you, how would you feel if you left and didn't come back? Or how would you feel if you missed this event? There's a difference between sad because I really would like to hang out with my parents mm-hmm. and I can't miss this event. My parents would blow they up would my phone. Flip. They would flip out. They would get so annoyed. They're upset with me. They're calling a family meeting. They we wouldn't gotta, watch, a, we watch your grandkids anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. There's, mm-hmm. some, there's some bargaining and negotiating going on in the background. Yes, yes. I do this, you do that. Mm-hmm. And when the family starts to question your loyalty, mm-hmm. when you decide to live a life that reflects your values, that's a key, key, key indicator that your family may be operating out of an, a mesh system. When you want to do something that's different just once, and it's like, what's your loyalty to this family? That's when you know there's dysfunction. When you feel obliged to show up via guilt, that's how you know you're in a mesh system, right? Yeah. Let me finish um, sharing some of the key indicators of enmeshment. So a sense of guilt or ambivalence when figuring out what you want due to wanting to please or care for a parent at the expense of knowing yourself. Hmm. Meaning, Kyle, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Let me see what mom wants to eat and then I'll figure out what I want from there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Very similar to codependence. Very similar, but very different in some ways. Being able to say, like, I feel guilty when I make decisions without considering my mom or my Mm -hmm. dad or my brother or my sister. A common way that this sort of thing shows up, especially in certain cultures, um, it's like even thinking about, like, career. Yes. Right? So it's like, okay, this is my life. I got to live it. I'm the one who actually has to go to work. Yeah. But when the question of like, okay, well, what do I want to do with my life becomes really a question of what will my parents not be ashamed of, mm. right? Like you're leaning into, I'm not, now that, that is such a common thing that happens. I can't say that that's the red flag for enmeshment, but yeah. things like that, that propagating yeah. in a bunch of other areas in a familiar relationship, mm-hmm. you're on the path or you're already there. And um, as far as enmeshment is concerned. And I also think that one thing that kind of like makes it a little more clear that it's enmeshment is feeling as, is a parent feeling as if the child's career is theirs. Yeah. Like they have a stake in it. Yeah, now every like, parent has a stake. For sure. In their child, for for sure. sure. Like, like I need Levi to grow up and not be a bum. All right. He's, he won't be, but we know some people that we would not want our children to grow up to be like. Like, that's healthy. There, there's there's a desire to make sure that your children 
are living out the values that you really want to give them and that they're healthy and that they are, you know, are worthy of esteem in all these different ways. Then there's like, okay, well, I never got to do this. And so I'm, I never got to flourish in my dreams in track. Mm-hmm. Like, so me now Kobe, Kobe was good at track. The first time she just stepped on um, the surface, she just started breaking records and winning medals and going to junior Olympics and all this stuff. Then you get me working hard um, my whole life. I don't know that I ever won a race by myself, maybe some relays, but not by myself. So I'm amazed at your commitment to continue. I, yeah, for years and years and years and years, never actually won a lot of second place finishes, never won. And so then I like start putting Levi in track at five years old and I'm like the Tiger Woods dad of track. Mm. Um, And I'm like, bro, you got to make it. And every time he gets second place, I'm ashamed of him because it reminds me of me getting second place. Right. Like that's where you, you start to enter into some of that. Yeah, absolutely. And lastly, um, there's many more, but I only wanted to do six because we'll literally talk forever. Giving primary loyalty to your parents and your family of origin and not to your spouses or your romantic partners or your family of procreation, which is the family that you make with your partner. Right. Saying that my mom and dad come before my wife and my kids, my cousin and their best friend that I've known forever, but come before my wife and my children. Yeah. And um, some of this, like, I don't know if you if you plan on kind of getting into this. The, the, I don't know if this needs to be three episodes or what. We got to figure it out. But yeah, we got lots. Um, <laughs> it it's not always just the parents. Yeah, it's not even always just like the siblings. Yeah, sometimes this uh, enmeshment operates by proxy. So mm, there are people more. in the family system who represent the family, even if they're not of the family. A favorite auntie, a mm. cousin a family friend that's been around for a long time. Mm. And even though they are not the parent, they're not the mom, they're not the dad, in some way, shape, or form, they represent the mom or the dad. And then Mm. they can be a proxy for this enmeshed system. So it's not, you know, it's not the mom, but Mm -hmm. it's a family friend who's been there the whole time and they have the same sort of primary loyalty above this, this family of procreation. They get grafted in over in the priority list where they should be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not always just a parent because you'll, you'll find enmeshment, especially the familial enmeshment. It's a loyalty to a system yeah. over you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And let's talk a little bit about how this affects us biologically. Cause we've been trying to make sure we include that in every episode about reparenting. It stunts the child's ability to act autonomously and engage with agency and develop confidence. It is asking I feel attacked. a three-year-old to carry 200 pounds. It is asking someone whose brain has not fully developed to show up for somebody and meet the needs and anticipate the needs for somebody who is what, in their 30s, 40s, 50s? Mm-hmm. And I say this because enmeshment doesn't just appear when someone gets married. Yeah. It doesn't just appear once, you know, someone gets engaged. It doesn't appear in adulthood. Mm -hmm. It comes to a head in adulthood and it starts in childhood. 
It starts in childhood when a child is raised and trained and reared to be a partner for a parent instead of the parent doing the work of dealing with their own intimate relationship issues. Saying, you know what, instead of dealing with my wife, instead of dealing with my husband, I'm just going to raise a new wife. I'm going to raise a new husband. I'm going to raise someone, right? And when I say that out loud, you start to really understand why it's called covert emotional incest. Yeah, It's about using your children that are not yours in this way to meet your personal needs rather than to do the work in your own life, right? Do you feel like, so, I mean, when I hear you say that, I immediately start thinking of a lot of um, single family homes yeah. like, sing, mm-hmm. like specifically like single yeah. moms yeah. um and i know we we happen to see a meshment a lot in single moms with male children especially yeah. but also um with, with um female children mm-hmm. because that dynamic is so often in play when you're resource strapped yeah you got like the oldest child yep and and they have to become almost another parent. They don't get to be a kid. And then that learned behavior of like, okay, well, I have a guilt of responsibility yeah. to my family gets transferred over 20 years later when they're married, when they're trying to have their own family. And it's normalized to make children be something more than children. Mm. And then to shame those children for not being willing to take the burden of being an adult. Yep. Um. So yeah, some of this is like, it's a function of brokenness, just like we said in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always just people trying to ruin lives. It's like people trying to survive and cope. Yeah. It's people trying to cope. Absolutely. And I think that covert emotional incest is not always um, clearly reflected in familial enmeshment because I think oftentimes that is just parent-child. And I also think it's harder for there to be a sense of familial enmeshment in families where there's fewer people. Mm -hmm. So I think that the parent-child cover emotional incest is, it's not its own type, but it's a more pointed, it's a more pointed type of of enmeshment. Um, So honestly, we're talking about this because we've experienced it. Yeah. And it's been hard AF. <laughs> it's um it's one of those things. So like I have struggled do we is this the episode we want to get into this? I don't know yeah, if you want to is. get into it in, yeah. in the next episode. No, let's do it here. Okay. We here. We here. Well, now. well if buckle up guys. Here we go. We're we're on the vulnerability train. Next stop. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think out the analogy. So whatever. Um, mm. So I struggle with enmeshment. I'm like a. Ref- I'm like so many other things. I'm like a reformed, becoming reformed, enmeshed individual. Mm. How would um, you identify most? Would you or at all? Would you identify with being in an enmeshed family or parent-child enmeshment? I would say mostly enmeshed family. There, there's been um, well. I'd have to say both. Yeah. Um, and I ask that because obviously I know the answer is both, but yeah. I think it's important for people to hear that it can be both. Yeah. Which I think is is even harder to to rehab and recover from. Mm-hmm. I I would say both, but it to me it stemmed just like you said. Um, it always stems from the parents, and and because it stems from the parents, I think for me it 
it stems from a parent child um enmeshment that mm-hmm. like becomes familial as yeah. proxies for the parent exist yeah um and i struggle i don't even know i i wouldn't i don't even know if it's more my mom or my dad i'm going to assume my dad actually um because even some of the ways that like weren't healthy early in our relationship that i loved my mom um who is amazing a one yeah, of the one of the most amazing. gracious women in the world like she saw some of her own enmeshment and in, in the way that we um interacted and came and repented to kobe like early in our relationship and maybe kobe can talk about that at some point yeah um, i think that um oftentimes enmeshment is never traditionally enmeshment the restoration of it is never at the hands or the will of the parent because the parents rarely ever willing to let go. Yeah. And um, Kyle's mom is an angel. <laughs> and, you know, I think a couple, a couple months into our marriage, she was just like, Hey, she came in and was like, she was like, I was praying and the Lord said something to me and I need to talk to y'all. She's from New York and that's how she it comes When she's emotional, it comes out. She that said, I'm, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry, okay? Just hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, love that woman. She's so sweet. And, you know, she sat both of us down and she said, I was praying and the Lord told me that I had made Kyle a reflection of... Um, what I wanted in my relationship. And she said, you know, when you guys got married, I, I felt like you took something away from me. And I think that came out in some of the ways that I treated you. Mm-hmm. And she, at that moment, apologized and has treated me like an angel ever since. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, that's not the typical story. And that's not know? the typical story. Yeah, that is that not is, the typical that story. That is incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, and here's where like that line between codependence and enmeshment comes in. Cause for me, it's always really been about my dad and what my dad would believe is right and mm. what he thinks is good. And Kobe and I, <laughs> Kobe and I have this like, this phrase that we use often where we talk about things being intentional, but not being conscious. Yeah. Like, okay, no, there, there's a rhyme and a reason to yeah. why this interaction or this behavior is there but that doesn't mean that a person is consciously aware at every moment that they're doing something yeah now, some people for sure are conscious of what they're doing and intentionally and doing intentional it. about it yeah they're trying for to do sure it. um and so i we struggle even to how like struggle to figure out how to even talk about this in a way that's honest yeah without and honoring yeah while also honoring my family, anyone that knows my family knows there's much more good than bad. Um, and yet there is a framework that like we had to work through, especially for me being the first married person in the family. Well, you being um, the first married person and then you also being the hero of the family. Yeah. So family I don't know system. if you guys um, listen to our family systems theory um, episodes in our last season we talk about the hero we talk about the scapegoat we talk about the lost child we talk about um uh i want to say the jester what what is it yeah it's jester in one model but i can't remember the the other one what do we call it what do we call it essentially the person who makes jokes right (laughs) (laughs) mascot 
the mascot. There you go. The mascot. We, we cover those and those are not all of the family system roles, but those are the core ones. And we want to cover those, but the person who ends up being in like the center of this super enmeshed family and most committed to it and most afraid to break away from it is usually the hero. And Mm -hmm. that's Kyle and his family system. So just imagine this enmeshed family. And then there's a hero of this Amesh family who helps essentially steer, steer the sails of where the ship is going. And then he jumps ship and gets in a different boat. Mm-hmm. What does everyone do? They panic. They panic. Yeah. And I think I married into panic. <laughs> I married into other people's panic. Yeah. Um. And I, I promise I'm going to let you keep talking in a second. But part of the reason why we wanted to talk about this is because I think that there are a lot of women who are really lonely because they feel like their husbands or their partners are choosing um, their moms or their dads or their brothers or their sisters over them. Mm-hmm. And as we were researching for this, uh, we listened to Dr. Ken Adams, who is just, he's been doing research on this since before we were born. And um, brilliant guy. You definitely got to listen to him. If you yeah. struggle with this at all, listen to him. Yeah, for sure. And um, he was talking about like the, the ways that the, pair the spouse rather of the person who's enmeshed like the things that they deal with and he said something that just had me like straight up crying he said the spouse of the person who's enmeshed is saying i don't want to be equal with everybody else mm-hmm. choose me choose me i want to yeah. be your beloved and i want you to be mine I don't want to have to share the role of beloved with your mom and with your sister and with your Mm -hmm. brother and with your dad and with your cousin. I don't want. And then on top of that, there's this sense of guilt for even wanting that. Like I deserve breaking up the happy. Yeah. For breaking up the happy and mesh family. Right. Feeling like you are like, I think for there's so many women who found someone they loved, saw this family from afar because it's always different before you marry in and then got married and then came in as a villain to the mm-hmm. system, right? Because what we say, anybody who does not acquiesce to the family's roles and, and beliefs is seen as disloyal. And when you're disloyal, you're a villain to the system. And then beyond being a villain, they don't even get the things that they were promised to receive. Yeah. So yeah. like, it, it, I remember just feeling a sense of grief because I was like, we stood before hundreds of people and you said that you were going to be, that you would put me first, mm-hmm. forsaking all others. And mm-hmm. then we got married and it felt like I was the all others and I was the only person being forsaken. Yeah. I treated Kobe early in our relationship like she was first among equals. Like, like uh, okay, you get a seat at the table with everyone else. And, yeah. you know, and I... There's no clear hierarchy. You're definitely not over anyone else. But, you know, I'll give you some of the trappings of being, like, the fake chairman of this of this committee. <laughs> like, you know, everyone gets one vote and you mm-hmm. get, like, 1.00000008. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, and it's I, like, yeah, you're first. But I, you weren't really first. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for people who are married and have been feeling this and don't have the language or the words for it and hopefully are developing it as they listen to it, Mm -hmm. 
I think for many of us, we, we discovered what we were in for when we said something as a wife and the family said something and the family won. Mm -hmm. And it was like, but my dad said, but my sister said, but my mom said, Mm -hmm. and it's like, God sanctify my mouth. Make me holy. I don't care what they said. I'm your wife, right? Yeah. And and then, like, I think I remember, I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember the physical sensation of remembering I'm your wife didn't mean anything. It was just like, oh, I'm your wife means nothing more than I'm your brother. Mm-hmm. It means nothing more than I'm your sister. It means nothing more than I'm your mom, nothing more than I'm your dad. And I think that this is not an episode to say like, oh, this has been absolutely terrible and see you guys later, right? (laughs) But also what was important for me and hard for me to see in the ways that I felt like our covenant was being broken because it was, Mm -hmm. right? And and women who are married to men who are meshed with their families um, or meshed with their mothers or fathers often feel like women and experience what women who have endured infidelity feel, mm-hmm. but we don't get any of the support. Mm-hmm. There's none of the social sort of um, acknowledgement of the burden of, of what that is. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's really easy for an enmeshed individual to like, I can, I can with clarity and honesty, you know, I, I'd put my hand on a Bible if that meant something to, to someone else. I don't know that God cares that much whether your hand is on a Bible, but um, <laughs> I genuinely believed that I wasn't doing anything unloving. Mm. Like it wasn't, it, there wasn't this, we, we go back to like, maybe it was intentional. It definitely wasn't conscious. It wasn't even to to Kobe's like admonishment, like you're not putting me first. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I asked your opinion, and then I decided to do what I thought was right. Like that's yes. what. Yes, and not realizing what you decided to do was right was actually what they said. Yeah, and- not really yeah. realizing how much weight, how much weight other voices had above my wife's. Yeah. Now, I mean, that doesn't mean that just because Kobe wants to do something, that means I have to automatically think that that's the right way to do something. Yeah. Um. That's you know, that's one thing. It's mm. another thing for for me to invite other voices to have equal weight into decisions that should really only have two vo- votes. It mm. should be my vote and her vote. Mm. But what Kobe experienced was constantly being outnumbered, outvoted. Like a voting block in the Senate where like yeah. you can't get anything passed because there's 60 Democrats and there's only 40 Republicans. And it doesn't matter what the bill is. There's 60 people voting against 40. They're always going to win. You can vote no all day long. Yeah. And in the same way, she was kind of voting no on some things. Yes, on, on a lot of things, but no on some things. And I would say no. And she would say, or I would say yes, she would say no. And in my mind, if my brother said yes... Then it was like, okay, well, there's two against one. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. Felt, you know, she felt like she was outnumbered. She yeah. felt like she didn't have 
equity and parity in our relationship. Yeah. And it, it took a long, I mean, it took and I didn't, a lot of you know, therapy. for a long time. Yeah. I yeah. Didn't. It took a lot of patience on her end and the Lord convicting me and changing me and healing me on my end to even get to the point where I could see, oh, maybe my mind is not my own. Yeah. In the way that I thought it was, yep. which was a revelation. Who that Especially right for there. someone who's who's known as being the dissenting opinion in the room. The idea yeah. that Kobe was saying I was being, not even Influ- being manipulated, but that I was influenced was mm-hmm. insulting to me. Like, yeah. bro, you know who I am? I'm the guy that comes in the room and has the idea no one's ever thought of. Now you're saying that like, I'm I'm not having an original thought when I, f- when I genuinely feel like this is what I feel. Yeah. And yep. so it became a it became like a war between our ideologies when we we weren't necessarily at war. It was yeah. more that I was influenced and I had I just didn't have a conception for how not my own my own thoughts were. Like Yeah, yeah. And and in in the process of like recovering, I think that people often miss and like I kind of feel like we're just kind of like a, a unseen forgotten people but like the partners of people recovering from enmeshment are often having to go through the same process of those who are recovering from infidelity and yet we're expected oftentimes to just like be like, just be okay well mm-hmm. he's not doing it anymore just yeah. be okay and it's like but there's a legacy of of pain and hurt that's been left behind that takes a long time to recover from. And part of that recovery is empathy. And that is freaking hard. Yeah. Right. Part of that recovery is empathy because for me, I could not see because my my family is not enmeshed at all. Right. And we'll Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what a healthy family is when we talk about reparenting in our next episode, my family is not enmeshed at all. Um, And so I could not, I could not fathom that he did not see it and that it was not mm-hmm. purposeful. I could not fathom that he did not see that he was being, um, in my mind, just controlled by his family. Mm-hmm. It was just like, bro, how do you not see? You just said yesterday that you like the color purple. Now your entire family said they hate the color purple. And now you hate the color purple today. Do you how, make it make mm-hmm. sense? You know, how do you not see it? And what he just said um, really speaks to something when you are experiencing enmeshment, your discernment in childhood, your inner voice in childhood is hijacked by the system or the parent that you're enmeshed with. Mm-hmm. So there's no ability unless another person. You would, need a new voice. You literally need a separate voice to intervene and say, hey, not normal, right? Because there's no way for you to know. And I learned. Um, as the Lord expanded my capacity for empathy, I had to learn that I had to sense the desperation Mm. for Kyle, that he truly felt like he was betraying the people that he spent his entire life loving. And I could not understand that, Mm -hmm. but it was real. And I had to honor that it was real. I had to honor that there were, um, Dr. Ken says, like, for the MS child, there are two conversations happening when they are juggling between maybe their mother and their spouse, right? 
when they say, you don't understand how my mom feels. You don't understand my mom needs me. You don't understand my dad really needs me. You don't understand my dad really expects me to show up. You don't understand how our family does things. Mm -hmm. What they're really saying is someone has to be chosen and spouse be prepared not to be chosen because I don't know how to not choose these people. It felt like Kobe was asking me to become something else not even someone Mm. it felt like she was asking me to lay down my humanity yeah like she wanted me to become a person that she would never that like she would never even want to be with or that she would never esteem it like it got to the point where i was like how why would you even want to marry someone that acts the way you're like Mm-hmm. like you're asking me to act like it, it was it was so how boring. dare you yeah it was like because i attribute i attributed all these negative characteristics and attributes to the idea of bucking the family system in some ways yeah and so i'll say because you're the hero of the family system yeah it's and like i was destroying your own kingdom was the standard for it yep. so i was like no like this is good and so for her asking me to like shift even and it's she was not asking me to like disown my family and never see them these were relatively minor shifts like hey like maybe just one week we don't go over to your parents house we just have a date by ourselves Mm -hmm. like uh but like why yeah (laughs) and she's like what do you mean why like i'm your wife i'm like yeah they're my parents come on they love you too (laughs) You know, and my dad, my dad, like she, she, Tobey walks in the door. My dad's like, my my daughter runs to her, makes jokes, and hugs her. And so, like, part of part of I think the Amesh person and the the partner of an Amesh individual has to sort of reconcile is that good people with good characteristics can exist in an Amesh state and produce. Bad things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it felt like Kobe was asking me to, to like, declare that my family was evil. Mm. Felt, and I was like, no, like, these are great people. And yeah. even the idea that her family was not enmeshed, but it was unhealthy in ways that my family was healthy, mm. made me feel like, wait, like, you want my... It made me feel like it was a zero-sum game. Like, because every family has areas in which it's healthy or it's unhealthy. Yeah. And so it's actually possible for your family to have a lot of great health yep. in a ton of areas and still be amassed. Yeah. But for me at that time, it was just like, well, no, either it's all good or it's all bad. And it feels like you're saying it's all bad. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not about that. There's some good stuff here. Um, so yeah. I think one, there has to be a sense of like, both can be true at the same time yeah. that has to be navigated. Yeah. Um, and, and then it, it yeah, can't last. Like, I think that yep. like that's one thing that's why it comes to a head in our late twenties, early thirties, forties. It it cannot last because the amount of emotional capacity that is meant to sustain mm-hmm. intimate relationships outside of your relationship with your parents yep. and your family of origin requires distance. Yeah. It literally cannot last. Right? That's why so often the tension point comes, like children become the catalyst because yeah. the resources of the family are now stretched thin. So thin. You, and you've got two people who now become priority. Yeah. So, or, so like in our situation, Levi came along and Kobe's dealing with playing second fiddle already yeah. in our relationship. 
And then Levi comes along. That's our baby boy. Yeah. We're both putting him first. Mm-hmm. So Kobe ends up third in a relationship yeah. that like she's pouring her all into. And and depending upon how many people are in the room, she might end up being seventh. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I got a family of four or five people. And then a few proxies. Yeah. And so like, so for her, it was almost this triggering event where she loves these people. Like, it's not like she hated my family or anything. Like, she loved my family. But yeah. then she also had to re- reconcile. There's a piece of me that feels this tension. It's like being in the same room as the, the other woman. woman. Yeah, the, the woman Except you're they, husband There's eight on. of them. <laughs> and, they, and they all have the same laugh. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> These laughs are really surprising me, and they hurt my side. Yeah. Yeah. And it. It is important to realize for whoever's listening that you were not called to be your parents' partner. Not physically for sure, mm-hmm. but also for sure not emotionally. It is not your job. It is not your job. And this is not dishonoring your mother and father. Because I know someone's mm-hmm. going to be like, well, what about honoring your mother and father? Honoring your mother and father means treating them as adults. And letting God do the work yeah. instead of filling the gaps for them. That doesn't mean you don't yeah. go see them. So enmeshment is not measured by frequency. Nope. It, it's a quality piece. It's, it's not it's, a quantity. Yes. It, so if you talk to your parents every single day, but you genuinely feel a deep love and connection, you're not enmeshed. But if you feel a sense of overwhelming guilt, if you do not call, then it's time for some for some introspection. Yeah. Right. And you can give someone you can you can treat your parents with dignity mm. without becoming enslaved to, you know, what they think and how they think. Yeah. Um and and I I know like this is a this is a contentious topic for a lot of folks. There's a yeah. lot of folks in relationships kind of like glancing out the side of their eye to the person to their left because like <laughs> There's so much, there's so, it's so easy for something to get hurt and yeah. broken. It's, yeah. it's like any way you turn, something's going to get broken. And so then the Amesh par, uh, party, and we'll, we'll get into this in our next episode on reparenting, but at some point the Amesh party, Kyle had to sit up and decide if someone's got to end up hurt, it can't be Kobe anymore. Mm. Now I wish I had made that decision two or three years earlier. I I I broke a lot before I got there. Yeah. But to anyone out there who's maybe dealing with it, it's not a situation where you where everyone can just go along to get along and everyone's fine. There's no situ- yeah. there's no way to maneuver it where no one gets hurt. And people who are a mess are so used to negotiating to try and make sure that everyone's happy and everyone's placated and everyone's okay. But I'm telling you, if you are finding a way to make everyone happy and no one gets hurt by your decision, someone's getting hurt deeply. Yeah. You just might not know it or see it. And for those of those of you who may experience enmeshment and struggle and may re- maybe resist the idea of of even really looking at this deeply and seeing it as a problem, enmeshment, it affects our romantic and our sexual capacity. Men who are enmeshed have a higher likelihood of sexual deviance 
mm-hmm. and addiction to porn or masturbation. Because they've been carrying heavy burdens of intimacy from childhood, but don't have an appropriate way to express that type of outlet. Yeah. And so they turn to things like porn, right? And beyond that, being a mesh does not mean you enjoy it. There are many people who are enmeshed who are exhausted, who are weary, who are agitated, who are angry and frustrated and guilt-ridden and full of shame and are driving angrily to go see their parents or driving angrily (laughs) to go see a family member and just not wanting to do it, feeling like they have no choice. Declining the first two calls and it's like, oh God, here we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That. Mm-hmm. And then what that does is you pour out, you have a limited reserve of energy and emotional capacity and compassion, right? Mm-hmm. When we reach the end of that reserve, we call it compassion fatigue. You have a limited amount and you spend it all on your family. And then you come home and your wife says, let's watch a movie. And you snap on her mm-hmm. and you're like, why do you always want so much from me? And you're misplacing this yep. anger from your mother, from your father, from your family of origin, onto your partner, which just continues to drive this wedge of division. Yeah, yeah. Right? And how can anyone feel a sense of intimacy with someone they feel like they're being burdened by? When you displace that sense of burdening onto your partner, well, how can you feel free to be intimate with them? You don't. And then how does your partner feel a sense of freedom being physically intimate with you when they feel like they don't matter, like they're mm-hmm. second or third, like they're keeping covenant with you, but you're not keeping covenant with them. Yeah. Someone feels rejected all day long. Like they're not going to. Not sexy. Then, <laughs> yeah. Okay. They're not going to feel like they can like receive you. They're yeah. going to feel like, okay, well, rejection is the name of the game right now. Yeah. Um, And that's like, that's not petty. That's human. You know, like yeah. that, that's how you protect yourself. If yeah. you feel like you're being hurt, you, you shut down, like you clam up. Mm. And when we are experiencing enmeshment, when we're in it, it only works and satisfies for a little bit. Yeah. Because for a little bit, it's nice to be the favorite kid. And so there's loss. We'll talk about that when we talk about the reparenting. For people who are deciding, you know what, I am going to step away from my family and set some clear boundaries, it is hard because they're realizing how much they are losing. Yeah from stepping away from this enmeshed relationship, right? But if they stay in it, especially if they decide to marry, if they decide to have a partner, if they decide to have kids, if boundaries are not set, it creates a cycle of betrayal, isolation, and resentment. Yeah. And it leaves us in a place where we're constantly serving people around us, but perpetually lonely. Mm-hmm. And there's no one enmeshed that found out that, uh, that became enmeshed because they got married. Yeah. They're enmeshed before they got married. So, oh, for, so if you don't have a partner, I know we're using point. a lot of yeah. uh, partner examples, but that sense of guilt, um, the guilt contract that mm-hmm. keeps you in the familial system doing whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, closeness at the expense of your independence, at the expense of your, your agency, like you don't need a spouse for that. Like you can feel that at, yeah. at 23 and single and, yeah. and you may. Yeah. And so what you can do, and we'll talk about it more in reparenting, but there's some things that you can do to navigate that so that you can free yourself to to move into a relationship in a way that's healthy and yeah. honoring to all parties. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like I'll I'll let's skip to the end on it. 
Mm, wait, when you, I love that you said honoring. Honoring is not necessarily pleasing. Yeah. Honoring to all parties means respecting that they are adults, mm-hmm. respecting that they have autonomy and agency over their life and their choices, and respecting that you have the same over your own life. That's what yeah. honoring means. It does not mean that it's pleasing to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's about giving dignity. It's not about just giving away your your authority to make a decision, but it's it's the it's the way in which we um interact with people. But at the end of it, yes, there's tension. Yes, there's strife. Yes, people will be hurt. Yeah. But most most situations end with everybody kind of getting used to the new normal and being okay. Yeah. It, like it feels like the world is going to end yeah. for a while, like mm-hmm. so many other healing journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, but the end of it for most families is they adjust. Yep. They adapt, they overcome and they, they come back together. Yep. Um, and so it's not like mm. I didn't, I didn't, I feared that saying no to my family system meant saying no to having a family. Mm. Yeah. That's not the story. Yeah. That's a lie from the enemy. That that's the lie that plays in the deep dark corners of of especially for the family hero. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what's playing. Like if I say no, like I I'll just I'll have no family. Yeah. Which is why it was so hard to to even hear from Kobe when she was like saying like, hey, like yeah. I need you to put me first. And it's like, what? You want me <laughs> she said, hey Kyle, put me first. And what I heard was I want you to be alone forever and not have family. I want you to orphan yourself. Mm. And you know what is so accurate about that is to me, I'm like, am I not your family? Yeah. Like, am I not family enough for you? Like, am I, what, what, what am I? The chicken tender? <laughs> <laughs> not a chicken tender. I not Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A sauce. I literally was thinking about Chick-fil-A. Like, like what, what am I? You're, you're, you're saying, but you stood up yeah and you stood in front of people and said that i was so like so what are we doing you know (laughs) like what is this and i i don't want this episode to be too long but i really it's already too long i know know, know. they're still with us thanks guys we apologize our condolences you know what i don't apologize i i feel like I'm not going to apologize for for being who I am and doing what I want to do. So well, I'll apologize because I'm the person that likes to apologize. Right. Um, and maybe we can make this like a bonus episode or something. But I would love to talk about a little bit um, how you got to a place where you decided. And we can, let's talk about the next episode. How you got to a place where you decided and even saw that you were enmeshed and saw that it was worth um, worth separating from the standards of your family. So not separating from your family, Mm -hmm. but from those standards. Because I think I will say this as a wife who had to walk through this for years. I grew weary. Yeah. It is, it is exhausting to wake up every day and know that you are going to put someone first. Who's not going to do the same for you. Not only is it exhausting, it's heartbreaking. Like it is, like when I say heartbreaking, it like it it truly had me at one point wondering if God was punishing me for something. Cause it was like, God, why would you trap me in a marriage where the person who says they love me most in the world doesn't even want to be around me? Yeah. Doesn't even want to choose me. You know, like it and 
And so I'm just thinking about the women who don't have the space to to talk on a mic like me and and to share or don't even feel safe to to do that or who, you know, your family was in ministry at that time years ago. I I, I couldn't talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this was a first family, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just thinking about the women who are growing weary and the partners and maybe men as well who are growing weary and standing beside people who are not choosing them. And I would just love to hear like your perspective in the next episode of like how you began to become awakened to it because it wasn't my words. It was it was the Lord and the Holy Spirit for sure. Yeah. I mean you you came alongside. It's it's like so many things, right? Like God does the initial bit and then all of a sudden the things that you were saying started clicking and I was like, "Oh man. It's almost like I'm not even putting you first. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you think. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And it it I also share this um we share this as a testimony that you can recover. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it. You know, it, it there are moments where it, it doesn't feel like it. But you can recover from the ways that um a partner's enmeshment can completely ravage a marriage and ravage I- intimacy, right? Yeah. Um and I think the hard thing is in the end getting to a place where harm was harm was done and yet no one's the villain. Ugh. Right. That if not for the grace of God, there go I. Yeah. Could have been me. It for sure could have been me, right? Yeah. My enmeshment my journey started in the womb, so it's, you know. I would print. <laughs> Well, exactly, yeah. Brett. No, I just mean like it's 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 so much deeper than it's generational. <clears throat> Kobe has a sermon. Y'all go to oh my um, god! I don't even remember where it is. You know what? I'll try and link it in the show notes. I gotta ask Chantel to put it in the show notes. Kobe has a sermon. It's a dope sermon. I mean, she preached that dress off. I, well, I wish she did, but she didn't. Um, but <laughs> she was preaching her tail off. And the title was, it's generational, about epigenetics and um, epigenetic trauma. So y'all should go take a listen if I can get that um, from her somehow. You're but, so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> it is generational. And, so, and that's why we're yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Um, because trauma tries to make people into things. Woo. And if we don't understand the difference between people and things and, and what is in people's control and what, like, what part of its nature, what part of its nurture, and where that line is, then we demonize people for being human beings, um, and it limits our ability to love them. And so this is a hard conversation, but for those of you either who are enmeshed or are dealing and in a relationship with someone who's enmeshed, we want to inject some some humanity back in the conversation. Because when so much hurt is being flung around, um, people stop being people and they start being problems. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and it's our family is everything to me. I love them. Yeah. I love them. I think that once, once we kind of figured out who we were, man, I mean, they're, 
to my closest friends. Yeah. To this day. Hmm. We are an hour and 10 minutes in. You we guys gotta, are amazing. Try and break this episode up or something. No, Kyle. I'm telling uh, you, the edit is not worth it. Just stick, okay. stick this bad boy on up there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and for hearing our hearts and for listening to our story. Um, it took a lot of thought and prayer for us to share because we want to be wise about what we're sharing in our marriage. But, man, I, I'm just tired of people not being able to heal because they don't know what the truth is. And they feel alone in their situations. And if that means that we have to share um, things that can sometimes be uncomfortable, then I'll do it if it means that someone gets to see a little bit of God's character a little clearer. So um, thank you guys so much. Please rate, review, and subscribe so we can get the word out here. (laughs) Um, You guys, we're, we're kind of trying to possibly work on a tour, a live healing circle podcast tour Mm. we want to hear your thoughts so shoot us a message on instagram it's just an email tell us if you think it's a good idea we want to make sure we serve you guys what city should we come to if we do do it do do we're gonna try uh Uh, we're gonna try and stay in the southeast y'all okay yeah so um Listen, unless the money's looking right. Listen, well, there is that money piece. I um, I am for sale. Anyone that knows me, there's a price. So, um, well, we love you guys so much, and we will see you next week where we talk about reparenting enmeshment. Yeah, until the circle comes back around. Bye, y'all. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked our conversation, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so we can get the word of healing out to as many people as possible. Visit the show notes to stay up to date on our mental health workshops, yearly retreats, Oasis is Bomb, and connect to us on social media. We'll chat with you guys soon until the circle comes back around.